he a Josh Anderson? Though? No, no, no. Is anyone? No, no. Fuck no. <laughs> That's our new intro. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Bob just said he has nothing to add to the intro. So he's going to sit there and shrug and be quiet and not add anything. So in the meantime, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. Those of you that have been listening to the Metacast for a near 150 episodes, you know how rare it is that I get the microphone alone to myself. And I'm able to generate some word volume here. So this is exciting. This is going to be the best intro ever. So I'd like everyone out there to please write in, please comment on Twitter, iTunes, wherever, wherever you like, please tell everybody how fantastic this intro was because it was just Josh. Okay. We're going to let that. So I'm glad everybody went and you clicked the things and you, and you rated this episode higher than any other episode, even though you haven't listened to anything. It's just the intro. I appreciate you rating this as the highest podcast episode ever in the history of the Metacast. Our near 10 years of doing this. This is the best one ever. Why? Because of this intro. In the meantime, you should listen to the episode. Thank you. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yes. And we are back in Bob's house. We are back in, we're back at my house. We're, we're like, we're moving around. We've been mosing around a little bit. Yeah. And it's been a while. You, in fact, we always say that lately. I feel like I'm always saying it's been a while. We go in spurts. I don't know if I want to. We go in spurts. We go in spurts. We go in spurts. (laughs) Metacasters. So right now we're spurting. We are. We are mid spurt. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't think it. Oh, oh, my God. So this is how our 10 minutes together has been. This is a microcosm of the previous eight minutes where we've been trying to get started recording. And Bob keeps doing Bob things. And then I'm Bob unable to <laughs> doing Bob things? You put you you pull spurt out of your nose, and, and it's Bob's problem. Uh, oh, it's a yes. microcosm. It's a micro spurt. What are you talking about? I'm just all right. We got to get serious. Oh, do we, Bob? I think really. So. All of a sudden, you're going to flip a serious switch. I could. No, you I, can't. No, I can't. All right. Can't. What are we talking about today, Josh? Well, Bob gave me here. I'm going to. Do you hear this, everyone? Um, I walked in and there was this sheet in the spot where I set my laptop for our recording sessions. And I looked at it and I thought, no, he's not giving me like homework. I gave him homework. He? Yes. And he gave me homework, which, and again, I wasn't given time to do the homework. I was just handed the you piece scanned of paper. It. And he said, here, we're talking about this. And then he said, let's go. We pre, we pre-discussed this. We did. Right. Just a little to, bit. You're just, just trying try, to set you up. You're as a just bad trying guy. to be sort of melodramatic. I, I, it disappoints me that you have to go to, <laughs> to drama, Josh. 
we this is a serious podcast for serious topics in the agile community. It is. It really is. You need to get. Come on. All right. So what's the topic? Today? So the uh, measuring agile leaders. So I had this epiphany, um, and what Josh is reading is a blog post, and we'll connect it to the uh, the podcast. Um, and it's a draft. I haven't I haven't published it yet, but uh, I get I get tired of hearing people talk about how do I measure like we're going agile and what were the measures. Uh, so I get I get really tired of folks asking that question. It's a it's not a bad question, but the the part the sort of the backstory is. They want to measure things the way they've always measured it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, how do we activate our PMO? How do we measure number of hours per developer? How do we, uh, you know, capture test cases? It's all of the traditional measures. And it, and I hear this all the time. And then I had this epiphany and I'm like, okay, well, that's teamward. That's teamward measures. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's some organizational measures, but it's mostly productivity organizational measures. And things like team health. Mm-hmm. You know, people snicker when you say, oh, I would like you to measure team health. Mm-hmm. And, and they laugh about that. They think you're joking, actually. And I'm really not. So then I thought, well, what 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 would be a set of measures if we were just measuring leaders who were leading their organizations towards Agile? And we wanted to focus a set of measures, KPIs, uh, OKRs, just to them. Just, just I know it's right. uh, I know it's a little unfair because their their performance is tied to organizational performance and team performance, but yeah. <clears throat> but we I don't I don't think it's unfair. In fact, the and I assume we'll be on the same page because we usually are. But I think this is something you should measure before you decide if you should go agile because the the argument I'll make is that you can't be effective at transforming into agile. If your leader or leaders are not doing these I, things, I like the way you think, right? It, so it this would, is it would be cool if we could do an assessment, right? Let's say these, if we came up with like a one to five on each whatever topic areas measures metrics right. we talked about, if there was a minimal, I don't know what the magic number is, but if if every if every leader in the organization evaluated to zero or one, right, uh, that would not be a success proposition, right? right? Well, and you and I have talked about. There are times where Agile's not going to work. Yeah. And this is one of those things. This would be a way to quantify that. Yeah. So, I, and then during Agile, too, the other part of it is to your point, you could assess, you know, sort of readiness. But I also want to assess, like, are they walking their talk? Yeah. Right. The, the behavioral side of it. So, I, I even forget what's on the darn uh, blog post. Why don't you kick one? Would you like me to share the, the, the paper with you? We can. No. You want to cheat together? No, on the test? I, I, I have it. I can look at it on my screen. Oh, so. that's right. He's got more technology. I have a slightly more technology, <laughs> maybe than you do. But I mean, what? I mean, which ones? Is there anything there that you would pick? Uh, you, you personally, or something else? Like, if it's not on my list, so why don't you kick one off? What? How would you measure leadership? Sort of uh, agileness, the agility of leaders. Well, it, so the the layup is trust, right? So that's the that's the one that's last on your list, but that's the one that's always first whenever we talk about readiness or success of any agile like approach, be it the way you implement your process of doing work or the way you right. lead or anything like that. So right. trust trust is the foundation with everything. 
vulnerability is the same thing as trust. I, I won't be vulnerable if I don't trust that it's the same safe place. Or if I'm trying to generate a trust centric place, the first thing I often do is be vulnerable and show people, Hey, I trust you guys by giving you this piece of information that is, that is potentially damning to me. Uh, so those are, those are the two places that I start now. I feel like those are cheap and those are layups. No, right? I've talked about I, that a million no, times, but I wouldn't even, I, I agree with you that they're sort of top of mind. I don't think they're layups from the perspective of, I think they're hard. To, they are layups for being on this list. Yeah. Like it's a no brainer. They're on the yeah. list. Hard Measuring to do. Them, yeah. Hard to do. Yeah. Yes. Hard to even measure. Like one of the things I think of with vulnerability might be a measure of trust. Like how do I measure trust? It's really, it's, and if you have ideas, I think it would be, you know, but vulnerability might be if I, how many times have I said, I don't know, or right. how many times yeah. have I shown the team, I could, I could mail, I could, I could measure like, I don't knows, or yeah. I could measure uh, failures, or I could measure sort of conversations I had with the teams. Maybe I could do that. And so I could measure vulnerability, which would imply high vulnerability would equal to high trust or something like yeah. that. Right. Things that I try and do, and as I'm coaching leaders, I don't know is something or just holding your tongue and not having the answer and not, um, and let it, and trusting that the team is going to get there. The um, other thing is just enabling them to try, which is innovation hackathons is one of the things that's on yours, but enabling the team with space or the or whenever somebody comes to me and says, Hey, what should we do? The first question I ask is, what do you think? Right. You know, and I turn the tables on them because I don't, I don't want to become the answer guy where when they get stuck, they run to me and I give them the answer. That's a terribly um, non-scalable approach, right? Like that's just going to create this, this, this funnel of answers that isn't going to scale and isn't going to develop leaders, which is ultimately the problem with scale. So that's what I try and measure with myself of how often do I reflexively give the answer? Because it's with the best intent. Someone comes to you and they have a problem. And oftentimes the best thing you can do is short circuit the problem and say, here's the answer. Now you can go do your thing. But playing that long game of, okay, I already know the answer, but it doesn't do us good if I'm the only one that knows the answer. How do I develop this knowledge or how do I develop you into someone that can work your way towards the right answer and then helping them work through that path. If they've never had that opportunity, they've never been given that option of figuring it out themselves. It's always, well, we have to go ask so-and-so. Right. It's, no, I trust that you're smart enough. You're here for a reason. You're able to figure out these difficult problems. I'll, I'll help along the way. I'm not going to turn my back and walk out on you, but it's more important to me that you find your way, that you find the answer. And then that starts a scaling issue to where we actually start to get leaders across the board. Right. I mean, I reacted to your space. I was thinking of, you could almost do a pie chart. I'm, I'm thinking out loud where we could have things like hackathons or innovation. That would be a segment of the chart. Mm -hmm. for, so are you, it's like, are you giving your team space chart? Right. Uh, refactoring space. Um, are you, you know, how many times do you say yes versus no mm -hmm. space, uh, work from home space? I'm just, I'm just spitballing, uh, to your point, decision-making space. How many times? That's the biggest space I 
right. that I focus on. How many time, you know, team decisions yeah. versus leadership decisions weighing in. I have that night. I have something called the 95% rule that I talk about, mm-hmm. which is out of every hundred times, uh, a good leader of a mature agile team, you only weigh in five of every hundred opportunities right. you have. You might say something that would be counter to the team. So you limit it. So the 95% is the space that you're giving the team to yeah. just figure things out. And that's where I've done a lot of my coaching over the past half decade has been really senior engineers that are good, that everybody trusts, that always have the right answers. What I try and coach them on is they always have the answers and that's good. That's gotten them this far. That's built them into a great engineer because they've been able to figure out what the right answers are, but they ultimately become the answer guy that everybody goes to of, Oh, we want to put a new framework in place. Let's go and talk to so-and-so and -and so-and-so will have the answer and they give us the answer. And so then what I've worked with those folks to do is you can have the answer in your head, but don't just blurt it out. Help those people understand how you got to that answer. Help them discover what the right answer is. Be an enabler instead of the person that just always has the answer because that doesn't, that's not leading. That's just having the answer. That's just right. being a textbook. Right. And, and that doesn't build a great organization. I mean, I think another measure would be for leaders is like team health. And in the blog was I talk about attrition, which is I, I, I never like that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. You could measure organizational attrition in some way. Uh, and you should, I guess. But uh, if you could like team happiness or team health and have that be like a, you know, sort of a, a meta – measure for have meta effect on the comp of the leader. So, mm-hmm. and maybe it's surveys that are doing it, but you know, your bonus is related to delivering value organizationally through your teams. Right. That would be one sort of major factor. But another major factor is how your teams weigh in on your performance is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's not your performance is sort of the leaders evaluate each other. It's you're only as good as your team sort of sees you as being. Yeah. Uh, right. And to me, that would be like happiness and, and weighing in somehow on, you know, what are you doing for them? Uh, and really, really putting them in the driver's seat. I would love to see teams sort of have that strong influence on the comp of the leaders. I wonder what that would do. You know, normally it's like. I think indirectly it happens because indirectly more happy teams are more effective, which in turn ends up in more compensation for everybody. So I think indirectly it happened, but, but I, think I do that, understand what you're saying. About I had that dinosaur view where the CEO, they have this view of, are you beating the crap out of the organization? Right. And then it cascades down. And so you're measured maybe not on outcomes, but you're measured on, have I beat the team into submission or something like that? Which is the outcome, right? Have you delivered on the outcome that I told you to deliver? Right. Have upon? you hit artificially hit dates yeah. without quality? Regardless of, regardless of stuff like that. how happy people so are. So that's more top down. And your evaluators in that case are the lead, are your peers, right? Yeah. Are your leaders. So it's skewed. Whereas I wonder if we could flip the pyramid is what I'm saying. And you're right. Yeah. Team health does sort of it does map to the bottom line, but I still I don't know if it's it's still a leadership evaluating leaders. Yeah, I I I do it, you know. Unfortunately, like I do a lot of things intuitively. Like I can sense and feel general happiness of the team, and I'll address it head on. Like I'll just say, "What's like? Why is everybody so pissed off? Like what is right. what is going on?" Because I don't sit in the retros, but I read the notes from all of them. But also, 
I'm just there and I pay attention and, and I'm in meetings and I can understand. So I start to, in one-on-ones and inside side conversations, just start asking what's going on for probably close to a decade. There have been people out there that produce simple ways to measure that where there's a iPad or something that just sits by a doorway and there's five rating points that you can hit that teams just hit as they walk by. Well, happiness is like that, right? That I, that I've thought about putting in place, but I never have because I've just kind of reacted to it. But maybe this is that next step that I should take and just, it's cheap. It's but easy. You're not so just for, put it in place. Not, not you. Yeah. I'm not, that's, I don't mean you, but we, in general, we're not that self-aware. So you may feel like, oh, it's, a, you know, I'm getting this spider yeah, sense. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's times where I'm wrong or exactly. I'm misreading something. And you're misreading or, it yeah. and, and things like that. Like I was thinking one measure would be recommendations. So if people on your team are recommending to friends to come to work with them, yeah, that to me would be that. The reason I bring that up is not to measure it, but that to me would be one of those resounding. If you if you plus one to someone else, if you like this organization, uh, what does it Glassdoor does? Does yeah. Glassdoor do, do that? Oh, I mean, it's just a way to rate an organization. Yeah, but I mean, it's but it's that personal thing of I know, like if I brought you on board. That's a that's a high recommendation about yeah. that. So what would like personal referrals as opposed to sort of outside coming in might be part of that measure or something. Well, yeah, I mean that's an easy thing. You work with HR to do that. And I and I and I know people track that because that was one of those things that I that I had kind of up on my wall of success at at the dude was the number number of people that we were able to hire without paying a service. What about execution stuff? So I had some there like excessive whip. And this is a this is near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. because I'm seeing so many organizations today in my coaching. Uh at Vaco, I've moved on to, you know, I'm working with Vaco and you know, in my coaching and with some of our clients and, and it's it's not picking on our clients, but it's people are biting off more than they can chew. Yeah. Pe- people are biting off way more than they can chew still. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's systemic. Um, the other thing is maybe related to that is churn. And, and the way I think of churn is people changing their mind. So they're changing priorities, right? Uh, well, but that's one, often because they don't have a good sense of work in progress. Limits. Exactly. So I, I think there is some relationship yeah. there. But what do you think about execution? And and this is not team execution. This is what am I doing to the team? Yeah, I, so, I, so I look at it at three different levels there's within the team and do you recognize it within the team and say, Hey guys, you could, you should probably put a work in progress limit for this because you just keep overloading it. And that's why your sprints are failing. So there's that level. Then there's me as the leader of how much change am I driving? That's something that I am. I am very comfortable with change. So I push change very quickly and oftentimes maybe it's too much. So it's maybe that J curve where we're, you know, we're not navigating through the change before we inject more. Right. So it's the rate of change. I've, I've gotten better at it to where I, I start saying no to myself and I say, okay, we're not going to tackle that yet. That's something we'll get to in a month. I've gotten better at that. Then there's, or the, the org level whip, like how many things are we being asked to build? How many, things are we being asked to respond to? Is it a hundred things and we have 20 people? Right. And then trying to corral that. So that's where I end up spending a lot of my time because those other things I can correct myself pretty easily. I can help the team pretty easily, but it's then up and across the organization 
trying to get them to understand just capacity. And then well, the defending, biggest, defending yeah. the team from that. That's right. sort of what I'm saying is measuring. I hear your, your three levels. I w- I'm almost leaning towards measure the leadership a little bit and then measure the org. Like what are we doing as yeah. leaders to defend our teams against whip pressure or churn pressure? And the heart and what I end up having to work with teams and companies through is they think they're getting a lot done. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement, right? What I talk, what the thing I use is we're swimming and right now there's just a lot of splashing. We aren't going anywhere because all the arms and legs are moving in different directions. If we can focus and let's just do the breaststroke or the backstroke, let's just do that. Let's just focus on that and let's do that for a little bit. We'll get a lot further than this frantic thrashing and splashing that we end up doing. What the hell does the breaststroke have to do? Oh, I get it. It's let's actually coordinate the limbs and try and do one thing. Is this like those folks in in a pool that do synchronized ballet stuff? No, no, it's not like just swimming, Bob. Oh, okay. Just, it's nice. I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect to your imagery. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but Um, I, what what happens is that that person in the pool they're moving their arms and they and they feel like they're doing a lot and they are they're creating a lot of splash but they're not physically moving. Do you ever see those where they're moving their arms and their little legs? Oh my gosh! Their little legs are like sort of churning under yeah. the water, but you don't see that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm with you. You know? Do you remember about? Let's see. Oh no! Let me look. This is going to hurt. About twenty-four minutes ago, yes. where you were telling me how this is a serious oh, podcast. Crap! Yes, and I we did needed say to that. focus, and then and, you and, and buck up. Yeah, gosh. and then I just destroyed your mojo right then. Yeah, I took it away from. I was rolling. I was you helping were. people. You were helping. people. I was making a difference. You Bob. Were metaphors and analogies that were sort of crisp and right on. Yeah, and I took the. I yeah. took your feet. Just like underneath the water. <laughs> I took your feet right off uh, from underneath you. Yes. I'm sorry, Josh. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Not I, really. I'm, 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 <laughs> I was born. No, I'm 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 with you on that. So I think I think there's some execution stuff. I would love to sort of and I mean crisp. It's like let's say whip. Mm-hmm. Uh like like two things per team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't have magic numbers, but I would say let's say I'm a leader of ten scrum teams. What is the whip per team? Right. Uh, an average would be like two two parallel things going on is like top. So right. if, if there's three, you're like me, you're yellow. Yeah. Right. If there's more than three, you're red. Right. And it's not the team. I'm not going to go to the team. Mm-hmm. It is your responsibility to pull, figure out as a leader how to pull things back from the team so that they move from red to you know to yellow to green or whatever right mm. i mean it's that level of starkness that i i sort of see with whip and churn and things like that which is what you were alluding yeah. to uh because and a lot of times le- leaders are like they're very lazy fair about it they're like well that's just the way this is oh i know that's the, it's the, it's oh you don't those excuses you know oh dan you know and they look down their nose at me and it's like oh you don't understand the complexity of our organization or the business dynamic or blah 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 yeah and i'm like you don't understand the empowerment and responsibility responsibility you have as a leader yeah like you're not this is not forced you can lead you can change i think you can change that if you wanted to it might be really hard you might take a risk you might have to like take a risk for your teams but i mean you've done that for your teams yeah i'm sure at the dude when you guys were ramping things up i mean folks wanted 
I remember when you went to the dude first. There was like a number of teams you were ramping up mm -hmm. right at a time, which yeah. was ex which was optimistic. And then the amount of progress you could make for teams was optim. Everything was optimistic, right? And you had to sort of fight back on that. Yeah, not fight, but you had to defend against that. Yeah, I had to do my job. What is what is reality? Yeah. This is this is the ask, but there's a reality to to it. Well, it's like there's a place that I'm at now where there's a there's a list of organizational priorities, and say there's seven of them. And you look at the item on the list that's at the top, the number one priority in the entire organization. And there's like four people working on it. Right. It's like, well, wait a minute. I think we're, I think we're, um, focused on the wrong things. Maybe we should adjust and right. reallocate some of our team, yep. more of our team to work on the yep. number one thing. Yep. But it's all, we got to do all these things and, 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 and we have to work on number seven. If we don't make progress on number seven, then, you know, bad things are going to happen. It's like, but it's number seven for a reason. All, all joking aside, I like, and I may write about it, I like this metaphor of those, I don't know what they're called, but those folks that are in the pool. The synchronized swimmers. Synchronized swimmers. Yeah. Where it's chaotic, but then it's controlled. Underneath the water, yeah, you have no idea because you only see what's above. Yeah, but it's like, and you were saying movement, I wrote down movement and output versus results and outcomes. Yeah. And we we confuse movement mm -hmm. with result with results, and it's not results. Right. It's just movement. It's right. just chaos. But we're we're satisfied. We think that we're accomplishing things, and it's almost you know part of this measure is to move the measure towards results and outcomes, right? Yeah. And not look like I don't care about your movement. Yeah, like, movement. and it's weird. Like you see it within teams where they talk about they had a great sprint and they work so hard, but everything. Nothing ever makes it to the done column. Exactly. So yeah, look what we did. We did all this stuff. And it's not and yeah. when I talk to them, they they sort of get defensive. I'm literally not. They work hard, so yeah. I am not picking on your work effort. Right. I'm just I'm picking on the focus. I'm picking on the results. It's like what have you And what, that's generally a micro a microcosm of the entire organization. Absolutely. Well that and that goes up to this topic is yeah. do that. What about uh engagement? Can we measure, meaning, are you attending the sessions? Mm -hmm. Are you attending sprint demos? I, so I hear a lot of leaders, it's like, I'm too busy. Uh, I need I need a, a status report handed to me to tell me how things are going, rather than getting up off my duff and walking around. I mean, Agile, Scrum has all of these meetings and transparency. Uh, all you got to do is pay attention and you got to engage. You got to get out there. Uh, I, I would love to measure that. Like the lack of versus mm -hmm. proactive. What do you think? Fair? Absolutely. And it's not just, it, it's, to your point, there's so much transparency. There's so much information radiated yeah. that people just opt out of paying attention to. And that's all you have to do. You just have to be present and pay attention and not stare at your laptop or your phone for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And this is and that's really, it. Yeah. And so many folks... And that's what I mean by engagement. It's not just showing up. So it's not just sitting down in a demo, but it's, you know, putting all your devices off, like being present, yeah, right? Being curious, asking questions, uh, applauding when it's appropriate, uh, giving critical critique when it's appropriate, uh, being in real time. Uh, so it's almost like, you know, basic table stakes are, are getting there. And a lot of folks don't do that. And then there's this, but that's not good enough. Then there's right. this level of sort of engaging. And it's not just a demo. It's daily stand-ups. It, I mean, it's all of the, it's just like getting up yeah. and, and watching the team. One of the things I remember at iContact uh, that I noticed is testers were pairing with developers. 
mm-hmm. when they were doing unit testing. And I thought it was the coolest thing because the testers really didn't have unit, they didn't have a software development background, but they were collaborating effectively with the team. And that was never mentioned in a demo. That was never mentioned under Bravado. That mm-hmm. was never mentioned. It was an observe, it was an observation, right? But it was one of the most important observations I could make as a leader because I'm like, ah, we're breaking down the silos in the teams, right? We're actually working yeah. together. Uh, no one, I don't think, you know, in three plus years, no one ever really put that up on a pedestal and said, oh, we're doing this. You had to, you had to get your ass out and, and observe this stuff and pay attention and understand what, like, understand that it was important. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that scenario, the lack of leadership engagement and presence is one of those horribly frustrating things because ultimately, and this is when I really get frustrated. When they then ask you to repackage something that you're already generating differently for them, like, uh. like the number of times I've had leaders come to me and say, Hey, can you give me an update on yep. this every exactly. week in exactly. this manner? Exactly. And the answer is no, show up this day at this o'clock at this place and you'll get everything you need. Yeah. And it's there. And oh, by the way, we've been doing that for six months. Yeah. And where have you been? Yeah. Right. Or you've been there. It's even worse. You've showed up. Yeah. But you haven't been paying attention. Right. Literally, you have not been paying attention to things. Yeah. There was an organization that I was helping where there was this like second underground sprint demo and sprint review because people couldn't make it at a particular time. So our product team had to go and redo everything that we just did for this very small subset of people that were too important, yep. more important than the rest of the organization to spend a half hour there. So work was being doubled yep. because of that. What about if we measured how many times teams told you you were wrong? I'm going to call it the wrongometer. What do you think about that? I, to like me, that falls you. back into trust, right? Like, have, Safety, you, have you created a safe space where someone's comfortable disagreeing with you? But maybe I'm going. I'm, I'm reverting back. I'm wondering if we could, like, the wrongometer. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and at every level of the organization. So it's it's almost like if my team lead, Ooh, yeah, okay, my team. I like I'm that. as a as a developer, I might be more comfortable telling my team lead that I'm wrong. But then oh. Josh, gosh, I'm. It's Josh. He's big. He's yeah. powerful. Right. He's smart. He's got a big head. He's got a big head, yes. <laughs> and so I, I'm going to be more intimidated. But if we could do wrongometers, I'm not, this isn't planned, but that would that would be a measure for safety and trust mm-hmm. and uh, across the level. And what I would be looking for, to me, a healthy indicator, let's say usually you would uh, the dude, how many times have teams told you you're wrong? So have they skipped levels? Mm-hmm. Um, and how comfortable are they? And not... But, yeah, I mean, giving you good feedback. It's not the wrong, but it's it's the comfort they have in what being able to tell you truth, right? Being able to tell to approach Josh and to tell the truth, mm-hmm. right? Without you know, sort of with less filtering. That would. What do you think? That would be maybe something. It would be hard to. To make. me, again, that's another one of those things that intuitively I've done that I've stopped meetings. And I've shown a very, very bright spotlight on somebody yeah. when they disagree with me and they do it in a public setting. Right. I like, okay, everybody stop. And Brandon, because Brandon was always the guy. Brandon, can you ask that a question again and more loudly? Right. And it was like one of those times where like you hear people go, ooh, you know, because it's like, oh, he's going to get in trouble. And then it's no. Like, that's fantastic. We need more of that. Right. 
Um, so that's so you're modeling things. that behavior. Yeah, but, but, to, but, but to measure but, it, right? That's and, but the, the other thing. thing is everyone who reports to you may not be. I remember Monica, for example, mm-hmm. reported to you. And I'm not picking, I don't I have no clue about Monica, but it's not just you. It's, let's say there's a team lead right. or there was the architect, Brent. So there's Brent and Monica and mm. other people that are under you, if right. you will. And it's, it's what is the sort of, can I, can I tell these people that they're wrong and to what degree? So yeah. you were very approachable and you were modeling that to the organization, but was the organization, how well was the organization you know, yeah. sort of getting that sense? Yeah. Right? And- and that was an evolution. So when I started, for instance, Brent, as the enterprise architect, was not terribly approachable about some of the plans he put down in place. And the team came to me and said, hey, Josh, this isn't working. Can you help us talk to Brent? Right. <laughs> you know, and so I talked to Brent, and Brent got mad and flustered. And then he came back from lunch. He's like, damn it, you were right. I'm like, I wasn't right. They were right. right. I'm just the messenger here. But a year later the dialogue that he had with the teams and the output and the quality that we were generating right. was drastically different because there was an open dialogue. Exactly. But it took a year right. for the teams to get there and for Brent to get there. What about what are we personally doing? And I think some of these things, like your personal agility uh, or your curiosity and your learning, and maybe the two are sort of linked well, that's mind. the whole walk you walk. Yeah. Right? I mean, you've said that a million times. Yeah. Like you've got to – no one's – not no one. It's very difficult to do something a leader's asking you to do when you see them doing the opposite. Exactly. You can still do it, but it doesn't feel good. And you feel like, why am I the one doing the hard stuff? Like senior leaders, have you ever – one of the things that, that aggravates me is a lot of – and a lot of these people I'm coaching – but they're like they isolate themselves. I'm not an agile expert, uh, and I'm only going. You know, I I know this, this, and this, and this is only what I do. And then the almost the implication is, and I'm never going to try to learn it. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, you hear the same thing. Well, I'm not an agile. So, and these are the same people who are driving a thousand people or five thousand people to do agile, right? But they show no curiosity, no self learning. No self usage of the methods. It's sort of, or they 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 dabble in it or something. I I attended your one hundred and one class, you know, a year ago. Remember? I right. mean, that counts, and that aggravates me. It's like, how can you ask people to do something if you're not willing? Not just not willing. You should be, you should be setting the tone, like reading freaking books, asking the team questions, sitting in. You know, we talk about attending a review. What about learning hmm. how to do a review? Or attending a stand-up to just learn what's effective and then pulling a scrum master aside and saying, gosh, I didn't realize how hard this job was. Yeah. And and just just sort of becoming a sponge and soaking it in. Uh, there's laziness, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I'd like to measure, you know, how much of that, like how aggressively they're they are learning. Like I would say if you're if you're the leader, like dude, let's say you came into dude and you had no clue about Agile mm-hmm. and it was rolling out. I would expect you in two or three years to become like pretty damn sharp about yeah. agile stuff. Do you know? And that's on you. Like, be curious, read books, go to meetings, talk to you know, you know, mind meld with Bob Galen. That's scary. That is scary. Yeah. So I, so I'm. You might see my wheels turning, but you said it's lazy, and I don't, I don't know if I agree with it being laziness. I think it's more. What um, is it? Uh, it's like they think it's beneath them. 
ah, I would, I would buy that. Like they already know. Yeah. It's common sense. Right. Oh, it's just another methodology. Yeah, it's just a thing. I've I been doing software for twenty freaking right. years. I read, yeah. I read the Scrum Guide. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that to me. So hubris. I've seen more of that hubris? than laziness. It's just, um, yeah. I don't, I don't need to do that. Right? Like yeah. I've got, I've got a board over here. I've got a whatever. I've got I, I'm dealing this, with the uh, board, yeah. and I'm dealing with the CIO, yeah. and damn it, I've got to do budgeting on a you know semi-annual basis. And that's really, and that's what keeps the wheels on for yeah, a this, thousand this, people. Everything else is too important to me to worry about. So, how so a lack of humility, the thing that we sell, a lack of humility, a lack of curiosity, maybe mm-hmm. a, a lack of prioritization, yeah, a lack of self awareness of how obnoxious that is. <laughs> yes. No, I'm serious. No, I'm like that drives I, yeah. me crazy yeah. when I and it, it's not the event. And it's so transparent to the entire organization. right. To the, Everybody, sees but it's it. like a year later, you hear the same thing. It's like so you mean you couldn't pick up a freaking book in, yeah. in a year? Yeah, and you're running your. The point is, you're running your entire. It's not a hypothetical. You're running your entire organization this way. But they'll talk about microservices. Oh, they'll yeah. they'll talk about new organizational structures and stuff, right? Those so are good buzzwords. And those are good. Means. Those are good buzzwords, right? But what yeah. about the the sort of the cultural? And it is weird. Just the just the number of times I feel like I'm pointing out the obvious, where I say we're trying to optimize the way we build the thing that we sell. It seems like that should be very, 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 very important. Everybody should be invested in making that as successful as possible. If we were a manufacturing company, everybody would be as invested as possible as how we go from raw material to something that can be put on the shelf. Would would, would that be like your give a shit or something measure or something? Like, do do you really understand what you should be giving a shit about versus what you are giving a shit about? Like the giving giving a shitometer or something like that. <laughs> You're just gonna put an ometer on everything. Uh, it's an ometer on everything. <laughs> it's a, I have a Josh ometer, oh, but we terrible. won't be exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine that no, spike in the red. Uh, it is. It, it is currently <laughs> in the red. No, uh, but you know, no, no. But it's it's like, yeah. are you on point? But see, to me, it's not give a shit. It, it's it's beneath me, right? Like I, that's where I've seen it so often. Well, like of, the one metric that matters is what I mean by give a shit. You yeah. know, the one. So out of the myriad of things to pay attention to, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm driving in the desert, I think the key thing, and and there's what 300 miles away from the next gas station. The one measure I need to care about is, is your gas tank. Is my gas tank and how far I am yeah. to the next gas station, and then my or I could die, right? Yeah. So it's I mean, there's there's the temperature, there's tire wear, there all there's all kind of stuff, but there's one thing that I need, and then to your point, in agile, it's we're trying to say customer value, right? Delivery, I think, right? Are mm-hmm. we delighting? Are we generating that value? Are we in a balanced fashion? And folks are like all over this. Do you think because it's hard, people shy away from it and they go focus on other things that are easier? I think so. To measure, I think so. Or your comfort zone. If I'm, you know, again, we're problem solvers. So, yeah. and we look at so, so delivering customer value is what not a problem to be solved. It's an ever, you know, it's sort of you're pivoting, mm-hmm. you're figuring out, you're triangulating. It's really hard, mm-hmm. but it's never done. Whereas if I go over here, like a reorg, 
I can, I could have them wrong, right? I'm going to reorg the organization and that will fix this. Right. So I think we gravitate towards, you know, maybe, you know, away from some of the harder things or we simplify the reactions. Like, you know, we have, we have dysfunctional organizations. So a rework will fix that. Mm -hmm. I will statically, I will, I will bring something in. That's that's another measure we should have number of reorgs per. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, come on. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. Right? Yeah. I mean, do you see? Yes. You've probably been part of that. Yes. Right? People, oh, we're broken. <laughs> What's it next day? Reorg. Right. Right? Oh, that didn't work. What's it? A month later, reorg. Right? We'll just reorg and reorg and reorg. And we're not looking at root cause. Right. We're sort of, so we're reacting with, with sort of things. Although we're trying to solve the problem, right? But we're not. But looking. again, that's more splashing and not actually moving in the water. Right. That's again, that's more visible. Hey, I'm doing something. I'm attempting to make things better, but all we're doing is splashing. Yeah. I like that. I like that analogy I do or that metaphor of splashing. Splashing versus what? Like swimming, right? Yeah. 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 Are we splashing? And I see it in people, right? So it's not just, it's like there, there are people where I've talked to them, like, listen, you work really, 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 really hard. And I see it. Everyone sees it. But it's a lot of splashing, and you're not getting yeah. anywhere. You're not getting yeah. across the finish line. So we yeah. need to focus that, and let's remove some of these some of these movements you're trying to do. Why don't we uh, wrap this up? Okay. I feel like I've dominated it, and I've led a lot of stuff. Uh, well, you so, did write this article, I know. Bob. So, but, I feel like that's. But is there one thing that I've missed? Uh, so I'm, I'm. I'd like to open the door for one. Yeah, the one thing is team development. There's so often very little investment in growing people and their skills. Okay. That that's in numerous places. I've seen that as um, underspend or just lack of budgeting or lack of caring, right. Or, or lack of, you know, it, it just is the give a shit is very low. People are there and they're a tool and they're to be consumed and used up. And then there'll be somebody yeah. next. So maybe like a, I mean, that would be easy to measure, not so much the results, but it's like, you know, investment per person or something like that. Yeah, you could measure, just, like, are we allocating yeah. funds, not frivolously, but are we allocating funds? Are we making it easy for folks to go to conferences? And uh, do people evolve? Yeah. Like, do people stay in your company, but they evolve into new roles uh, that because would be, you've grown them? Yeah, not just the reorg thing, but you've you've grown them. And so – you know, the number of transfers. Yeah. So you could do budget, you could do transfers. Uh, Lee Eason does this thing. He has this company called Takata. I don't know if you're aware. Mm. He tries to, he tries to measure core, what he calls core skills. So, you know, you, you would, uh, the tool, uh, you, you seed it to develop like all of my technical skills. So it's a technical skill thing. Right. And then you have people evaluate themselves on a level and then you look for your gaps Mm -hmm. and you can do it on a team by team basis and say, you know, if I have a team that's doing front end stuff, but they have a JavaScript gap or something like that, then I would have to fill that. So like using Takata as a tool, you could sort of look at your inventory of teams Mm -hmm. and, and actually aggressively. And it's not, you're not dinging the team. It's a leadership tool to say, I have these gaps and if I want to go faster or if I want to be more flexible, right? Like subject matter experts, it would identify on this team. There's only one person who has expert backend database experience, right? There's eight people there. It would highlight that and say, you know, if, is that an issue or not? You might want to develop those folks, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. To me, that that's, that's where I see people under invest both monetarily and just with effort and energy, right? Is they don't actively try and grow their people. And that ends up, 
biting them in the butt. Well, I mean, and I'll pick on the dude a little bit. I mean, I remember back. I don't. I think this is true, but they sent people to like safe training or something like that, or there was a big safe class. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're here. You are. You're teaching people like what scaling frameworks when you could have reinvested that fund in those funds into right. the teams directly. Mm-hmm. So what's the balancing act? Is really I'm not picking on the dude, but it's it's you know we're like eighty percent of our training budget. Where's the value proposition at the team level? Yeah. So it's like, it's are people we doing the work? Yeah. It's the people doing the work and delivering the value, right? So what are we doing at that level of training and coaching and to, you know career development, et cetera? Right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Do you? I do you think we? Co- I think we covered it. I feel pretty good. I want to measure. Um, Metacasters will will publish my blog post. I'm probably after this Metacast. I'm probably going to make some adjustments to it. Uh, and just edit it. But at the same time, I really want to keep this conversation going. I'd like to, s- to get uh, comments on the blog or comments to the Metacast. What can we do? I'm sort of on a rant that I want, I want to change the focus to be leadership metrics and not in a conversation. I don't want to confront them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like if teams need to get better, leaders need to get better. And what do we do to measure where they're at? And then how do we measure their improvement? You know, so if they're working, that would be part of it is continuous improvement. How do we establish baselines and stuff? And I don't think we're I don't think anyone's really talking about that so much. Cool. I agree. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.